Today's episode is brought to you by Caffeine Gum Australia. Originally created for the US military, Military Energy Gum has now been widely used as a caffeine supplement in elite sports all over the world. It comes in three different flavors in cinnamon, arctic mint, and my personal favorite, spearmint. And with 100 milligrams of caffeine per piece, it's a really simple, quick, cheap, and tasty way of getting your caffeine fix. Check them out at www.caffeinegumaustralia.com. Okay, guys, today's podcast is with my friend, former Wallaby second rower, Kane Douglas. Kane also represented the Waratahs, Queensland Reds, Leinster, and is now currently plying his trade for Bordeaux in the top 14. This is a really wide-ranging conversation, and Kane is incredibly honest about all aspects of his career. I really enjoyed talking to him. Before we start, can I ask that if you want to support the podcast, please subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. It really helps us a lot. Anyway, please enjoy this wide-ranging discussion with one of the best second rowers in the world, the great Kane Douglas. I, uh, am I close enough to the screen? Is it a good angle? No, you look, mate, you look fucking great. Um, boom, we're live. Welcome to the Wandering Bear Sports Podcast, the number one sports podcast in the world. Today's very special guest... Super Rugby winner, World Cup finalist, the best second rower in the world, Kane Douglas. How are you, brother? How are you? Good. I lost you a sec there. Can you speak again? Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'm I'm very good. How are you? Yeah, that's better. That's better. I'm good, brother. I'm good. I got a lot. Of, I got a lot. I want to talk to you about. Um, but the first question comes from a Jay Douglas, and is it a coincidence that Fusion Nightclub shut down as soon as you fled to Europe? <laughs> uh well it um i did i did frequent the place a lot um when i uh when i lived in cronulla but i um I, I liked it better when it was the uh two worlds two uh two rooms two worlds set up fusion nightclub <laughs> mate see, seeing that place die was uh look it was good back in the day but i wasn't sad when it died i'm gonna be honest I think I, I think I was in Brisbane, maybe, or oh no, is it is it has it only closed like in the last year or so? Or? Yeah, it was literally during COVID. So it when COVID happened, it shut. Obviously, you can't go to nightclubs, and then they probably pulled the pin about three months ago. That's a big part of Cronulla gone. Yeah, I haven't been since probably two thousand and thirteen or fourteen, probably fourteen. <laughs> I wish I could say the same, bro. Um, <laughs> good memories, some good memories anyway. Um, I've got a lot I want to talk to you about. And probably the biggest thing I want to get into with you is, so you and I played CHS schoolboys together. So you, you're from Yamba, I'm from Coffs Harbour. Do, do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. So, so um, I'm going to say no offence here, so I can say whatever I like and you can't get offended. Yeah. To see where you were to what you've gone on to become it's pretty fucking remarkable, if I'm honest. And you probably don't see it like that, but you know, no, and I, you know, you went from not making CHS thirds, and if I'm being honest with you, and no offense, so I can say what I like, you didn't deserve to. And then four years later, you were playing Super Rugby. Is that is that the timeline? Like, can we dig? Can we dig in on that? How how did that happen? Yeah, I'd say you're right. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I I never really like thought about that. Like I could make I could make Super Rugby, or I could make it as a professional rugby player, or 
um, when I was when I was in school and um, and like to be honest, I've got a I've got a story from my first rep rep rugby um, training at uh, Far North Coast Rugby, um, and we were doing a we we're doing a four man line out with the halfback would come in and jump. Yeah, and I and I I had to be that person because I was the tallest in the team, and I I turned the wrong way. I was facing the middle of the field, not the um where the hooker was throwing. So I. I I, I actually didn't have much of an idea of rugby um, growing up. I sort of grew up in a, in a rugby league family, and um, and yeah, and I was I was eighty five kilos, ringing wet at school. I was um. You were still was, tall. You were still tall though. What you were about six five, I think, when I met you. You you did a little yeah. bit of growing after, but yeah. But yeah, I was I was a stick insect, and um, and yeah, I was. I suppose I, I had the right thoughts about my progression like I, I i tried i just tried hard and, and did everything like I, I suppose that's how i grew up um with my mum and dad's influence and my older brother um to just to just work hard at things so that's I, I i know and like i don't think i was that good at school either like i i, I agree that I, I don't think i deserved but let's let's go it. through let's go through the time the timeline because like what I'm interested about is you your rapid improvement, and because I think that'll be interesting for for anyone watching this. So you yeah. you finished school at Yamba. What was your next move? Was it straight to Sydney, or you were training with the Cronulla Sharks 18s for a bit, weren't you? Yeah, I only did. I think I only did uh, a month or two training with the yeah with SG Ball um, with Cronulla Sharks, but I um, I was I was working. I worked for a week as a, a painter. Um, that's about as long as you'd want to last doing that job I'd imagine yeah it wasn't very good um, but I think I actually wasn't that good at it either he, did, he didn't call me back to give me another week's work so <laughs> um, which, which was actually probably good and then yeah I um, I think someone who was my, my coach uh, maybe Jared Hodges or, um, or Mickey Willis yeah um, shout out to the great men both fantastic yeah. fellas <laughs> But um, they put a good word in for me for um, at the Waratahs Academy, and yeah, I was I was tall and um, and probably had the maybe the right work ethic, whether the talent was there or anything. But um, and and my brother, my brother was already playing NRL, so um, yeah, the Waratahs Academy sort of I think it was Joe Barricade or, or Greg Mum called me and said, do I want to come down and and do some training? And I yeah, you know, I decided I'd. I'd do that. I was my body. My body type was more suited to rugby, and I thought I'd, I'd do something different than my older brother. So, you, so, so, just going from that. So, you went. You you came to Sydney. Obviously, the connection with your brother Luke uh, yeah. helped you get in with the Sharks, and we'll, we'll talk about Luke in a bit. Yeah. And that from there, your a couple of our our former coaches hooked you up with the Waratahs, and they thought, you know, good genetics, blah blah yeah. blah. Let's give the guy a go. How did you end up at Southern Districts? Was it just because it's closest to Cronulla? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was living with Luke in Cronulla, so um, so yeah, that, that was. I I actually I hadn't had any, there was no connection with with Southern Districts when I um when I first started at the Waratahs Academy. So that was end of two thousand and six, two thousand six. Yeah, started two thousand and seven. Um, yeah, there was no connection. I um the talking with Greg Mum and a few other people at the Waratahs, they, they said, oh, why don't you, um, like, 
I know the Waratahs shouldn't have like a, a say of what club you go to, but they were sort of pointing me in the direction of Sydney Uni. Oh, that, um, that's a big surprise. <laughs> and uh, so I actually, I was actually sort of not, I didn't sign a contract or anything, but I was sort of affiliated with Sydney Uni for the, for that, for that 2007 year. But I, I did two weeks of training with the Waratahs Academy and I subluxed my shoulder twice and I had to get, um, shoulder surgery so um i didn't actually apart from seeing a physio i didn't do anything at sydney uni um but yeah i was so 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 that was that and then i i was the whole season i was i was injured and and it was actually good for me i i um i used to train with with the injured boys from like the professional super rugby um waratahs and there was a huge actually a huge injured squad at the time um it was Dan Vickermans, Alcanars, Phil War would, would come through a couple of times. Um, yeah, there was like a, it, was, it felt like there was like 25, 30 of us in the engine group. And um, and it was a good chance for me to put on some weight. So I, I think I started at the Waratahs at 90 kilos and and within within nine months of, of doing leg weights and, and things because I couldn't really do any uppers um, and, and working at Subway, I, I put on about... 13, 13, 15 kilos. Um, I probably, I put, I probably put on the same amount of weight while you were working at Subway. To be fair, <laughs> <laughs> I actually remember you coming in to see me at Subway. Yeah, put in the old veggie, the veggie six-inch sub through for um, instead of a triple meat roast beef. Or something. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, veggie, veggie delight for three ninety-five yeah. six-inch. Give you a foot long there. So, so you, you you took that year, you built your body, and then you ended up at South. What year was it? Two thousand and nine. You started playing. Or was it two thousand eight? Yeah, it was. I think it was two thousand and eight, and I I think it was from um, probably the influence of, of Dan Palmer and um, and a few other boys at Southern Districts were like, "Oh, mate, you live in you live in Cronulla. Why why would you go anywhere else? Why don't you come to Southern Districts?" So, um, yeah, and it was. It was great for me to do that because I I got to play first grade straight away and I played I think I played every game that first season maybe well, I don't I don't think we won many games but but um, it was it was sort of within well we'll talk about South first so you you when you came to South it was probably a bit of a shitty era for lack of a better word but then I think what you did we make the grand final was it two thousand ten no it was two thousand twelve wasn't it no yeah. 2010, we made the semifinals, and, and if you look at that Ford pack we had, some pretty fucking impressive people came out of that. So it was Tetra Faulkner, played for yeah. the Wallabies. John Lungia, playing for Bayonne in the top 14. Palms, played for the Wallabies. Yourself, played for the Wallabies. Sitaleki Tamani, ended up playing for the Wallabies. Radiki Samo, had already played for the Wallabies, kind of retired, and then ended up playing for the Wallabies again. Um, Itavea, yeah. Um, who got called into the Wallaby squad the week he retired. And then um, the sort of half cast was probably Sean Doyle, who played for Munster and the Brumbies. So that was a pretty f- impressive forward pack for club level. What yeah. did, did, did that kind of help progress you? Or was it more like looking, I, I, I suppose at the time, like it was a pretty fun time. Um, all, all of us were pretty young and we were enjoying it, but, how did you feel about that period, specifically about South? 
No, I, I really, I really enjoyed my time. I, I love the finishing training and going to Tarrant Point Hotel for a feed, and then maybe going to the movies after. And um, yeah, it was like a, a good, a good bunch of guys. Um, yeah, very fond memories. I probably, I probably should have kept in touch with a few, a few more of the boys, but I like, I suppose guys can do that, and we, we can just bump into someone, and we. It's like we, we, we haven't... What's well, like um, with you? I haven't talked to you for ages, and it's just like talking to you like I have been for a while. Um, so from there, you started playing regularly. When did you start playing regularly for the Tars? Was it 2010? Because you were kind of on the fringes that year. You had a few games. No, was so it? yeah, 2010 was my first year, and I played I played every game of Super Rugby 2010. So I, I'd already That's... played a couple of the Southern Districts before that year with the with the big four pack. But... Um, what was your – I was talking to Taff about this. What was your – because you obviously come from a bit of a rugby league background, so I can't imagine you grew up wanting to play for the Waratahs. What was your – like, how did it feel to you mentally? Can you remember? Yeah, can, can you remember it? Was it – were you shitting yourself? Was it, like, a proud moment? Was it just a normal game? Like, I know you probably have to say it was a proud moment, but how, how do you really feel about How do you really feel about it? I feel, like I, I feel like being associated with the team with the New South Wales tag, like, I, I was I was very proud that I was from New South Wales. And, um, and yeah, like, I, I was a rugby league background, but I, yeah, I, I loved supporting New South Wales and, like, state of origin and things like that. So, so being in the New South Wales Waratahs was, was pretty cool. But in, ter- in terms of your mindset, were you, were you nervous? Yeah, no, like I, I think I was. I, I still get nervous now before games. I don't, I don't really like thinking about games till I'm at the game. So I think yeah. the first game for Waratahs, I was, I was nervous, and there was, and that was still at the time of that, that like old school. There's a lot of older players that that sort of ran the team rather than the coach running the team. So it was, it was during that time, and I, I felt like I, I had to do. Like obviously you want to do your best, but I had to do my best for those those guys who were. Was that the maybe, sort of Dan the Dan Vickermans of of the world? Phil yeah, War. So that was around that time, wasn't it? I've literally I mean, done no research for this, bro. So <laughs> I'm just going right. off my memory. Yeah, I think Vicks was actually away during that time, so he that was might have been when he was over in England. He went to Cambridge. That's right. Yeah. So that was probably how I got my my first start. Anyway, there was a few boys got injured and. Um, and I was like Stephen Bradbury into the team, and then, um, and you started, yeah, so I, yeah. Which, yeah, and it was it was good for me. I that they didn't really have that many options, and I was playing playing okay. And it was a good, yeah, it was a good learning year for me. Um, who was uh, who was coach when you first started there? Uh, oh, like when I was in the academy, there was you and Mackenzie. But when I actually started playing, it was Chris Hickey. Okay, the former Eastwood coach. Um, yeah. So, I want to. I got to talk about the Super Rugby win. What was it like being part of that team? I looking from the outside, that must have been a fun year, fun year to be to be playing rugby because your full houses every week, and you know, New South Wales people are like, when you're winning, everyone loves you, and yeah, when you're not, yeah, when you're not, you're the worst person on on earth. But do you have any memories from that year? Anything? Anything stand out like on or off field? Oh, I just remember how how tight we all were and how fun things were and everything was there was a, a joke every day and there was boys like even being joking like joking at training where like 
where sometimes you play in teams where it's it's so serious. So um, do, yeah, do like, you think well, do you think that comes from winning though? Yeah, it does. Like obviously, if you win, you're like the coaches don't look at you when you when you're trying to be a dickhead at training um, as much as if, if you're losing. But yeah, we just was that second year of Michael Checker being there, and and yeah, like the people have different views of him, but I, I really I really enjoyed enjoyed his different way of thinking about things. Like it was a, it was a, a very big change from the previous coaches. So did um, you? Can, can, I, can I ask, I want to get a bit rugby nerdy about it. Uh, yeah. What were some of his training sessions like? Was it was it full noise the whole time? Lots of fitness? Uh, it wasn't the whole time. I can't remember doing lots and lots of fitness, but um, but he would just be pretty sporadic. He would, it was like he'd read like a handbook and gone, I need to, I need to rev the boys up because um, it's been like three weeks since I blew up at them. I need to... Like we did, we did a few captains runs where we'd smash each other. Like you're supposed to, yeah, be doing like a half an hour of light training. Um, yeah, right. But like, it wasn't, it wasn't like every week we did that. But um, yeah, like I, yeah, I really, he, he'd even like, he'd even start putting hits on at training if boys weren't like he. So he would, his, he would physically jump into sessions and start tackling people. Yeah, he had his boots and he, he'd come and join in if we were down a number or down a back rower. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. What about? Can you remember anything from the final? Yeah, well, I can remember. Um, so before the game, we had we had this analogy throughout the season. It was, um, I think, it was let the club go. So, so like a golf sw- golf swing, you you want to hit the ball, but not, but um, but like actually put everything in it that the the golf club goes as well as the ball. Yeah. So that was the the, the analogy for the, like the whole season was let the club go. So he. He bring a, um, a golf bag full of drivers, and there was enough for every player in the twenty-three, I think. And um, and we all had to swing in the the change room at Homebush, which is a big change room. And there's like a net above the warm-up area in the inside the change room, and you, everyone had to swing the golf club and let it go. And it hit the wall, and you sort of had to watch out if it was coming back at you. Like I nearly hit a few boys. Um, but yeah, like it, that, I remember that, and then, then obviously the game, I just went, it just went so quick. Like yeah, like it was such a good feeling, and even the, like, jumping around, hugging each other after the win, and and things like that. Um, it's it's funny how like, I've I've probably played two hundred odd games of rugby in my career. That you're probably pretty close now, probably more. But you you remember very little from the actual games, and it's more stuff stuff like that, like. From the remember the the final we played at Concord in twenty it was that year actually, and it all I can't remember a single thing from the game, but I can remember walking back from the training ground where we warmed up, and then there was, you know, maybe three hundred of our lunatic mates all off their heads, yeah, yeah. yelling abuse at guys like Patty, and <laughs> it's just funny that those are the things you remember. That's probably the good stuff. Well, what about what about after? Can you talk about Silly Sunday, Bad Monday? Who was best on ground? Yeah. I remember seeing you during the week and you were a little worse for wear. <laughs> you were, uh, what was he, Potgator? You were Potgator. Yeah, yeah. No, like I, that was, yeah, like I, I, we, we were pretty tight too, all the second rounds. It was me, Will Skelton and, and, um, and Joe have you fa- Have you found that in most teams you're playing, all the, all the tall guys sort of hang together? Um, yeah, I think most of them. Sometimes you get someone who's, 
who is a bit bit wary of their spot and like doesn't really want to hang with the other second rows. So, um, but like I think that hasn't that's only been one or one or two two years of me playing. But um, but yeah, normally we're pretty close. We we've all got long backs. We we know the struggle of getting a sore back at training and you see the world from a different perspective. <laughs> yeah, we do. Um, but, but yeah, we, we we all sort of understand each other, and um, I suppose it's the same with front rowers. But um, I've I've never been in a team where the front rowers didn't get on, even even if they were competing. It was still, you know, they they've always been good friends, and I I have a theory about tight forwards in general is that the good ones tend to be good blokes, yeah. um, so you tend to get on with good blokes. But what talk talk to me a bit about Jack's pot getter? He was a bit of a sensation when he was here. You you guys were close, weren't you? Yeah, we were. Um, like is he my, st- is he still playing, or is he hung the boots up? Um, I haven't really seen anything that he's officially just like. I was watching the um, podcast of Taff. Like I maybe I I'll have, have to get him on, mate. <laughs> yeah, I haven't I haven't seen him actually um, say he's retired, but um, but yeah, he's got a few. I think he's got a few different. Um, few different things going in South Africa. He's he's opened a couple of hairdressers and, and things and um yeah, I'm pretty sure he's he's finished. What was what was the impact he had around the Tars boys? Oh, he just bring a lot of energy and um and he was just different, like different than anyone else. And he um he just loved like it sort of suited the way Michael Checker wanted us to play too. He would just smash things just for no reason. He would <laughs> He would fly into rucks, which you'd get penalised for these days, but somehow he was getting away with it in, in 2014 when we won. But um, yeah, he would he would even get the ball and he he would just run at the biggest person on the other team or the biggest hitter on the other team. And if he won, he would like get up and yell at you and like he'd be the man. And then if he if he if you hit him quite well, he would get up and he'd go, "Oh, good hit, mate!" Like and he he would like that. Like it was that yeah. was his thing. And then. He also like we'd we'd um we'd look at each other before every scrum and go oh, like who's who's doing this next tackle or who's doing this thing like we'd g each other up um yeah it was like and, and off the field too like he was he was always positive with things he um he was he was new to Australia so he he wanted to go see things and um yeah it was he just was, that sort of excitement yeah, that that people yeah. feed off um. Yeah. When so what happened after there? So did you play 2015 or when, when did you go to Ireland? Yeah, so that's when I went. I mid-season 2014, I was looking to re-sign, and um, Ewan McKenzie was the coach of the Wallabies at the time, and there was sort of no, there was no interest of me getting any money from from the ARU at all, um, and I didn't really think that that I was high on his list of of players to. To, to make test teams. So I, I decided it was like, I, I, yeah, I, I decided that it would be, be good to, to go and experience something different. And um, yeah, I like, it's hard because you, you look at rugby players and you can play in all different countries. And, you, and if you could, you'd go and play in every different country. But, um, but yeah, like I, I thought that I, I did want to go overseas at some time and I wasn't getting the love that I thought I deserved, so I I thought I'd I'd leave. Um, you were at that age too, where you, you could have come back, and you, you could still come back. You're not how old? How old are you now? Twenty nine. Thirty one. I'm only you old. Fu- you old fucker. 
I'm, I'm 33 next week. <laughs> um, sorry, this isn't about me. So you, what, what club did you go to in Ireland? I went to Leinster. Did you enjoy it? Honestly, yeah, no, did, did you enjoy playing there and did you enjoy the experience of it? Um, I feel like it had similarities to the Waratahs in terms of the, the fans loving you when things were good and not loving you when things were bad. Um, but probably probably more so because there wasn't much else. There's not much else going on in Ireland, especially when it gets cold and wet, like like all Europe. That like they're they're so fanatical, and because Leinster is a good team and goes well when 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 it's not going well, it's like the worst thing ever, and you get talked about. I don't know. That's when I still had Twitter, and you'd get tagged in things that you're playing shit and really. Uh, um, yeah, and we that was the I think it was the worst year in like in twelve seasons the the year I was there. Um, we we ended up we lost the semi of Europe of the champions of the Champions Cup, Monaghan Cup, and we came fifth in the league, which was which means that we didn't make the finals. In just in the in the pro it was pro twelve at the time. Um, we didn't make the finals, so that was like the worst they'd done in twelve years. So coach you- got sacked. Yeah. Who, who was the coach at the time? So it was Matt O'Connor, an Aussie. Aussie guy, yeah. And, and Marco Caputo was a, was a scrum coach. Another, another Aussie, yeah. So you, you spent a year there. or did, You didn't quite finish, did you? Um, no, or so had, I, no, it was a year. I saw there for three years and I got there a couple months late because of Super Rugby. And then, yeah. um, and then I... I got injured, so I had I had back surgery in like April and didn't finish the season, and then um, and then I got out of my contract to come back um, to the Reds and the Wallabies. Um, can we talk about how you came back? Do you want to talk yeah, about so that? I, yeah, like I, so during my time there, um, you and Mackenzie decided to quit the Wallabies, and um, and Checker Michael Checker got the got the job. And then, yeah, like I'd started talking to um, Checkers um, offsider Anthony Hill, um, big, big, tall, um, bald man, lives in France. Um, one of one of Checkers' old mates, and he, so he used to call me every now and then and go, "Oh, mate, oh, do you want to go back to Australia? Do you want to?" Um, and and knowing that Czech was there, I, I really liked my the year or two before that I had with Czech. So I, it was like this seed was just planted in my head, like. I can go back and I can play for the Wallabies, play for play at the World Cup 2015, and um, yeah, and it just started sort of eating away at me. And I was, especially when I was injured and wasn't playing, and and you when you when you're going through a European winter, things get sort of dark and miserable. So I was like, oh, no, this could be, this could be good. And um, yeah, and it was actually pretty, it was pretty hard, sort of. It was a hard decision because I'm. I had to. I had to get out of my contract and let someone down. I don't, like. I. I don't like letting people down. So I was. Um, yeah, I had to like call the coach and say, mate, I. I want to get out of my contract and. Um, and just just for yeah. just for non rugby people, is is that a difficult thing to do? Like, what's the? Is there a process for that? Well, I think maybe in different situations it's easier. Like if the if the club wants to get rid of you as well, then it's probably easier. And um, and I'm like, I think I was 26 at the time, maybe. Um, 
you know, 25, 26. And I'm like, I'd, I'd won Super Rugby the year before. And not that I had the best season at, at Leinster the year I was there, but they didn't really want me to go. And then, and, and also like, um, duh, I can talk about it. <laughs> um, so I was, David, I was trying to David, get you to. <laughs> yeah. so, so David Nusifora, who was the um, my under twenties coach, he um, for some reason he didn't really like me. Whether that was me not not being up to the standard he wanted me to be, or something, or not the type of player he he liked, um, I felt like he didn't like me at under twenties level. And then he was actually the um, the head of contracts in Ireland, so every every contract for all the the four teams in Ireland, they they get signed off by the IRFU, the Irish Rugby Union. So, so even for the um, domestic teams? Yeah, even for the domestic teams. So okay. because they're not allowed that many foreigners to, they get looked at and like, why are you spending money on, on, a, on a player when you could develop Irish talent? So because I, I came in, I signed a three-year deal and then he didn't really like me and I think he didn't, he didn't really like the, the ARU either. So he he made it hard for me to get out of my contract. So um, yeah, like I, I had to, I had to pay to get out of my contract, um, which I was like, I was compensated because the ARU um, increased my contract when I got back to, to Australia. So that, but, but at the time it was, and I still sort of kicked myself and go, man, like, oh, like, yeah, I, I don't regret coming back, but it sucked that I had to like actually go you into mean? my bank account and pay pay to get out of my contract. Um, but yeah, he made it, the, the, the Leinster actually agreed that I could pay it off gradually. And then he came over the top and said, no, it needs to be done before you go. And so I'm like, oh shit, like, um, what do I do? And I'm like, call my dad and call my, my manager and like, yeah presumably um, presumably yeah. uh not a sum of cash you've just got lying around the house no or no, you might was... you might now but maybe maybe not back then <laughs> no i feel like i had more money back then I, before, <laughs> before having kids and and a wife um but i yeah i don't know i um yeah like i'd sold my house in australia so i i had money i had money sitting there but like yeah, it was. It's still not a good feeling. To, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, but but I, I don't regret it. Looking back, I don't regret that decision. Um, well, it's it's. Um, we'll we'll talk about what happened next after. I'm just going to jump around a little bit because that's just yeah. the way my brain works. But let's 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 talk about your Wallaby career. Well, when did you make your debut, and who was it against? Um, yes, yeah, so I made my debut 2012 in the Gold Coast against um, against Argentina. What were your memories of that? How did, how did you get told you were going to be a Wallaby? Did they do anything special or was it just you, you get named in the meeting or? Um, yeah, well, like I, I was in the, I was in the squad that year cause I'd had an all right year with the, with the Waratahs and, but I hadn't played the first few games. So that, I think they'd played New Zealand a couple of times and South Africa in Perth. And then a few boys had been injured again. So similar to like my Waratahs debut, there was a few boys injured. Um, and 
And yeah, like I, I think just at training on like the Monday or Tuesday, I sort of, you could tell like how many second rows were left. And um, I think they, they didn't name it till Tuesday or Thursday, but I sort of, I sort of knew, like I, I knew that I'd, I was going to, I was going to be playing that weekend. Um, and yeah, it was, it was actually a pretty, pretty surreal week um, on the Gold Coast. My brother was living on the Gold Coast at the time. Mum and dad were just down the road in Yamba. Well, not just down the road, but a couple of hours away. And um, yeah, it was, it was such a good week. It was, it was still the time of, of going out on a Tuesday night pre-test, um, which was pretty fun. And then, yeah, like we, and we, we had a win. I, I think I got player's player or, or something or whatever it was um, after the match for my first game. It was, yeah, it was like, it was a, it was a really good week. So, um, Mate, that's pretty cool. I was talking to Jake. Um, what happened on tour? Did you you got in trouble at one point? Yeah, so that was two thousand and thirteen, the end of two thousand and thirteen. So, so Robbie Dean's era. So Robbie Dean's had just been sacked after the. I think he got sacked after the British and Irish Lions tour. We'll, we'll talk about that next, but yes, let's keep keep going, keep going. So he. So you and Mackenzie had taken over, and um, yeah, we went to Italy the first week, and then we went to I don't know, maybe it was England, then Italy, then we're in Ireland. So we're in Dublin, and um, yeah, we just had a Tuesday night. We split up into small groups and went to dinner, and then we all well, not all, but most boys, there was a, a fair few of us, all met at um, at temple bar in the middle of dublin and then we we ventured up to a, a nightclub um and and yeah like i like i i actually wasn't that drunk i was like i had, had a couple but like i was just having fun and um and yeah like it was i didn't really think much of it there's a few boys that were that were a bit plastered but um but yeah, so that, that was what happened. And then we went, like I just went home, I don't know, one or two o'clock. And, and then the next day was the day off. So no one knew anything. We just all went and did what we did on the Wednesday, had the day off to do whatever you wanted. And then Thursday morning came around and it was this, we just walked into this funeral of a meeting. It was like, what's going on here? And um, yeah, and you and Mackenzie had just called this meeting and was like, was, was just blowing up about, about how we went out and how we're not being serious. And, um, and I, I suppose it did have to change. Like, I suppose you look back at it and go, well, it's a test. You're playing for your country. Maybe you shouldn't be drinking on a Tuesday night or like, but it wasn't like in my head, I'd, I'd only had a few and it was just, yeah, just socializing and, and whatever else. But, um, but yeah, like, so we had this big meeting and, um, and it went sort of around. There was a few boys that sort of said, yeah, like, I think it's really bad that we that boys have been doing this and this has been happening for a while. And then, um, and then there was boys sort of supporting the boys, just having a bit of fun. And then they put it, they, they went around the room and sort of asked a few of the staff and they said, Oh, what, what do you, what time do you think it'd be good to come home after a, after a Tuesday night dinner um, leading into a test? And the, I think the S and C said, Oh, 12:30 or something. And then, um, so you and Mackenzie goes, all right, boys, put your hand up if you came home after 12.30. 
and, and yeah, there was like 16 of us or something or 15 of us um, that all put our hands up. And of that, there was nine boys that were playing that week. So it was the thing that one of the articles was like the Dublin 15 and then there was like the Dublin nine or the Dublin six or whatever it was that there were boys that were starting or playing. Um, so if you were playing that week, there was, you weren't available for selection the next week as punishment. They decided after a couple of days. Um, and we all, all 15 of us had to go and, and have like a, it was like nearly a little court case. It was like the player, Ewan McKenzie and the SNC and everything was written down. So it was like, I went to this place at this time. I had this amount of drinks. I was dancing and talking to someone. So like, and it was, and it was like, what's going on here? And then that that actual report got sent to each Super Rugby team, and then back to the player. So it was like this, like actual report um, coming down from from the ARU that we were in trouble. Um, but yeah, it was it was bizarre. It was um, my my dad, and I was I was I was with Nick Cummins. Um, they Nick Cummins's dad was in was in town as well. They came to Ireland and then Scotland. Um, and then, yeah, and it was just a weird, a weird setup. And like boys were like, oh, what are we doing here? Like, just what it wasn't, it didn't feel enjoyable. And then, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was bizarre. What's, but, um, what's, you're, you're probably, you're probably on the, right on the edge of that sort of old school touring, new school touring. And guys are probably trying to work out sort of how to do it the new way if that makes sense like you know we've both been on rugby tours and by far and the best by far and away the best part of being able to tour the world is getting to experience that sort of stuff and yeah. it seems very strange to me like you're grown men you're elite athletes and yeah going out all night drinking probably isn't the best thing but what really matters is how you perform on the weekend yeah, I think, and I, I can kind of get the cultural stuff, but well, that's interesting. It's not as interesting as as Jake made it out to be, but <laughs> but it, it, that, yeah, I guess, I guess, I'm wondering if I left anything out, but um, you, no, maybe that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. f- from there, let's go back to the Lion series. You played in the Lion series. Yeah, yeah. What what are your memories of that? Um. Yeah, like we didn't, we lost two of the games. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't like w- what we expected or what we planned to do. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. Like I, I didn't, because I didn't grow up watching rugby, I didn't really know the significance of it. And, um, and having like started at the Waratahs in 2007, there was, there was like there was obviously the British and Irish Lions in two thousand and nine into South Africa, but um, but yeah, I hadn't really, I didn't really know about it. And then it was like, oh, the Wallabies are playing the British and Irish Lions this year. And then yeah, like all the all the cities we were in, there was there was like thousands and thousands of um, of people from the UK and Ireland um, in in the city and like the it was just crazy. All the pubs were full. Like um, you, was- as a, as a player, I'm I'm 
curious about this. Can you guys feel the significance of it? Or, or are you a bit sheltered from it? Um, oh, like everyone's got their phone and they can they can read all the, the stuff in the in the papers. But um, yeah, I don't know. I I feel like other boys probably knew the significance of it more than I did. But but yeah, like I at the time you're just trying to train as hard as you can to play as hard as you can on the weekend and um, and we had we had a similar thing with the with boys getting in trouble. There was I think it was that was the time when maybe James O'Connor and Kurtley Beer went for a, a Macca's run or something. We were late at night, and some someone from someone took a photo of them or did, or did something. To, that was I think they might have been in Melbourne or something leading into one of the tests. Um, but yeah, like yeah, like we obviously lost and we didn't we didn't play that good, but um, it was it was pretty cool to be involved in that. Um, what about the World Cup? What are your memories of the World Cup for you in particular? Um, yeah, like I, I think by far and away it was the best rugby experience of my life. Like it was, we, we lost the final, but it was like we, I'd just moved back from Ireland. Um, I'm, I was like straight into camp in Sydney and it was just this whole build up. It was like this. We had a few weeks training in Sydney. Then we we're on a plane over to the the States. We're in we're in Chicago and 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 around there for for a week or two. And then we went over to to the World Cup in in London. And and every like we all them games we were just winning. We were like we, we were winning. We we're winning. We just play the next like there was the next game. Then we're into the finals and we won the quarter and the semi. And um, yeah, it was such a there was such a good vibe around, especially after beating England and Wales over there, like that no one, like none of the locals could give you shit. And um, so that was a good feeling. And it was just, I think everyone, everyone believed that we could do it. Um, we could get there and we'd, we'd beaten New Zealand in Sydney um, a few weeks before we sort of started the World Cup campaign. And um, yeah, I think everyone... It was just, yeah, it was just a really good time. It was like we had some good hotels we stayed in. Um, yeah, it was just a such a cool yeah such a cool feeling. Can um, you remember much yeah. of the final? Uh, I've got. I only played fifteen minutes or twenty minutes, and I um I got lifted in off a, on a kickoff, and I um and I landed and and did my knee and my ankle all in one go. Um, so yeah, I. I sort of hobbled off the field and then I just, I've like obviously got pretty emotional. It was like this huge build up to, to this final and, and I only got to play 15 minutes of it and, um, and we lost. And then to, to make things worse, I, I went up to get my silver medal on the, on the stage and um, Prince Harry was, was giving out the, uh, giving out the medals, presenting the medals. And, um, and he's, and like, I'm like, I'm, I'm on crutches and like probably getting pretty teary. And he said, he goes, chin up, mate. It's not all that bad or something, it was something like that. And I was like, I didn't say anything back to him, but I was like, you fucking prick. Like your team, like your team lost or whatever. And you're probably a bit sulky or something, but like, it's pretty bad, mate. Like I'm on crutches, I've done my knee and I've just lost the World Cup final. Like it's fucking pretty miserable. 
But, well, yeah. look how life's turned out for him lately. <laughs> well, he's struggling. Um, how'd you? <laughs> well, yes. Um, how'd you end up at the Reds? Um, how'd, that yeah, come so, how'd that come about? Yeah, I, will, I was at when I was in Dublin, and I, I wanted to come back to Australia. I could, I could have gone, I could have gone to Sydney um, and to the Waratahs, but I, I think with my with my now wife, I was with her and she was pregnant and um, knowing my, my dad is only two hours away or three hours away in Yumba and um, her, her mum and stepdad were on the Gold Coast. Um, yeah, sort of. And, and, the, and the fact that um, Matt O'Connor, who was the Leinster coach, he was going to the Reds. So he was like, oh, mate, you should come to the Reds. And so there's a few different things. And um and yeah, you like, yeah, you think about loyalty and things like that, and that I'm playing for the enemy, but like, you sort of you you want to experience different things and different different teams. So it was, I uh, I didn't dwell on it too much. Like it didn't it didn't really sit bad with me that I was like going to play for Queensland or anything. But um, yeah, so I, I that's why I went there. Yeah, was Brad Thorne coach at the time? Um, so I knew he was going to the Reds, but he was he was going to be the under twenties coach. Um, okay. so, so you would so you didn't have much to do with him when when you were there. Um, no, no, like I did. So at the, when I first went there, he was going to be the under twenties coach, but then he sort of had then he had like a bit of a mentory role with the team, and then the next year he was um, maybe defense coach, and then the next then two thousand and eighteen before I came to France he was the head coach so have you got um, what's what's he like as a guy um, uh, sort of away from what you see in the media and that sort yeah. of thing what's he like as a boy uh, yeah like he's sort of weird to explain he's like he's very different like his the way he thinks about things is very different he's um, he is very religious um, and I like I think I've heard stories of him being a bit of a um, getting on the beers when he was when he was younger when he was at the, at the um, Broncos and stuff but yeah like he he was very religious if, if there was a swear word in, in a song in the gym he would he would blow up and get you to turn it off because he actually had a bit of a stint as the um, the I think the, the S&C got the sack or, or got sort of put on like he only controlled what running we did. He didn't do the gym and then Brad Thorne actually ran the gym sessions. Um, okay. So yeah, if, if someone played a, a song with like some swear words in it, he would be like, what's this? Get this off. Like, what are you doing? Uh, and he was, yeah, I don't know. He's, he was very different. Like it's hard to explain. He's socially sort of a bit awkward. Like he'd be like, Oh, like you don't know what to say to him or like, Hey, hey, Thorny, and you just walk off like you'd, I'd, um, yeah, I'd, I, um, I found him sort of, yeah, a bit just, just different. It was, yeah, without, yeah. without saying anything bad, it was just different. It's <laughs> a good way of saying it. Uh, B, BPA told me that he was in Argentina when he had the long hair, and, and Brad's come and sat down next to him at the airport and said, You got two days to cut your hair, or I'm sending you home. And BPA's just like, what? You might have, he might have, you might have been there or something. Yeah, he goes, he goes, what? 
And then the next day he's like, I'm serious, Brandon, you need to cut your hair. So he's gone and found us a, a barber in Buenos Aires or something. And he's, he's ended up getting like the shortest that he would allow. <laughs> um, but I'm not going to take up too much of your time. Um, what, uh, we'll talk about France in a sec. Yeah. What influence has, have your brothers had on your life? Um, good yeah, or like bad? A no, a good, a good influence. I like, obviously it was, I had, I had people to play backyard footy against. Um, like we, we were pretty close. Like I, oh, did I just exit that? No, no, you're good. No, I've lost the buddy. Oh, there you go. Um, yeah, like I, like because we were spaced out, Mum and Dad didn't have it, like, we spaced us out with all three years apart. So Luke, three years older than me, I'm three years older than Jake. So we didn't we didn't get to play footy with each other, apart from when me and Jake played at Southern Districts together. Um, so, so yeah, like, we, yeah. But we, but in, in terms of being around the house, like, I was probably, the, I was the odd one out because I was the middle child um, where, like, if, if I was picking on Jake, Luke would have his back. If I was going at Luke, Jake would back Luke up. Um I, I sort of felt like I was, yeah, middle child syndrome. But um, but yeah, like Luke, Luke was playing playing for Cronulla Sharks when I was still at school, and um, and everything sort of he did was very professional, and um, and he did he did need to to stretch every day. He did need to do like w- watch what he watch what he ate, um. So gonna, like I was going to ask you about that because he, which I've he, never, I've never been like that. Like I've, and I haven't really needed to. Like there's been a couple of times where I might have blown out, but I, I haven't stayed like that for long. And he, he really needed to. So, um, and I was, I was sort of blessed. I, I, I was pretty flexible and stuff the whole time. Um, I didn't need to keep stretching. Um, maybe I should have, but um, I was going, I was going to ask because. Like I, I, you know, you've mentioned a few injuries that you had. Um, I didn't actually know you had that many injuries, but Luke's got the record for most consecutive games in the NRL. Yeah, and obviously that's clearly due to some good habits. Jakey is probably close to being Southern District's record holder for first grade games. Yeah, is it? And I, I, my memory of you is that you hadn't got injured that much, but obviously you have. What is it? No, I feel like I haven't like, missed that many. Like there was like the couple of seasons where, like, even when I had back surgery, I was only out out of rugby for three months. Yeah, um, right. Did my knee when I did my knee? I was like the minimum you can be out with a ACL is eight months, and I was back in eight months or seven and a half or whatever months. Like I, um, and then other than that, I haven't I haven't really missed many through injury. So, What's, yeah. can you attribute that to anything? Obviously, Jake, Jake's case is being a super athlete, but yeah. what about for, what about for you? What do you think about that? Well, for me, I like like I, I don't know. I like sometimes I look at it and go, "Or oh, maybe I should have like said that my ankle was a bit sore, or I should have." But like I like I just wanted to crack on and play. Like I, if I had something small, I'd just I'd just strap it up and it'd be right. Like, um, and I know you you can't do that now like with the, with like head knocks and stuff like that. Um, but I remember a few times, a few times in my, my early years playing professional that, like, and even for Southern districts that I'd, 
I probably did get concussed and I probably just said, um, I'm all right. Um, which you I obviously looked this was quite silly and um but it's kind, I, of, I it's kind of been the culture and I think that's actually changing now. Yeah. Um what was I gonna ask you next? Nick Cummins. Tell me about him. Um yeah, I I really like Nick Cummins. He's he's funny. I um I spent a fair bit of time with him when we were at Wallabies. Um and yeah, like I, I still talk to him every now and then. He he might send me a, a video of him farting or, or something, something pretty funny every now and then. But um, yeah, like I, at the start, I, I sort of felt like some of his jokes and things were, um, he used to sort of get a bit of help off his dad or, or things like that for some of the things he'd, he'd say or do. But like it's it just comes naturally to him now and. Um, and he he saw an opportunity to to stop playing footy and stop having to tackle people and get tackled and and to and to still be still be have a pretty fun active lifestyle that's not sort of like a traditional sit in an office type of job and he and he's probably making money and um yeah, and having a having a ball going fishing and whatever else so um yeah like I like I, not that I would want to do what he's doing but like I I see how like. It's, it's pretty cool that he, he's doing what he's doing um, and and like using his he's had some hardships in his life and his um, his his brothers and sisters um, as health and his dad's health have, have sort of been high on his list of priorities as well so it's so that's been his reasons for doing what he's done but um but yeah like I, I really really respect Nick and really and really like him as a guy. Mate, my my one sort of interaction with him when he played at South is we're standing in the change room about to play East, Eastwood in a final at Milner, a semi-final, and I've gone to do my 35th pre-game piss. And he's come in next to me, pulled his pants completely down to his knees, and he's just looked around and gone, smells like a Vietnamese bedroom in here. <laughs> pulled his pants up, walked back in. I think he scored a couple of tries that game. Yeah. Um, I got to ask you about France. Why? Why did you go? How did you end up there? And you're playing for Bordeaux. Yep. Yeah, playing for Bordeaux. I, um, yeah, like I suppose, I suppose what I said before, how you sort of look and go. I wish I could play rugby in all different countries and experience the culture and, um, and yeah, obviously there's there's money involved as well with with, with a contract and and like in France offers a pretty good. Um, like pretty good salary for for most for most people who decide to come here. So it's um, it is, yeah. I suppose that's why I decided to come. There was the I wanted to do something different. The money, um, like there wasn't at the time when I was deciding whether I'd I'd play. I I I wasn't playing that well at the Reds when I first decided. I think it was even before the season started. So. 2017 wasn't a very good year for me at the Reds, but when I signed like after round one or two of 2018 to come to France, um, but I actually had a quite a good year. Like if I had have waited, I might've got a better deal or I might've got a, a deal somewhere else, but I, um, yeah, I'd, I decided that I'd, I'd do it. I'd sign the contract and give myself some security. Um, and then, yeah, coming to France, it's, it's very different. It's not for everyone. Um, it's it's a yeah a bit of a culture shock when you when you're used to 
used to the way Aussies live. And even like I, I lived in Ireland, it wasn't that much different to like how Australians live. Um, but yeah, France is just totally, it's totally different. It was, and I've in three years, I've been in four, four different houses now. Um, and just trying to find what's best for my family. How, how, uh, just, just for the, the average person at home, how does it work in France? Do they set you up with a house? So you, you live where the club sets you up or do you sort your own thing out? Um, probably every it? club's probably, probably different. Yeah. Um, I think, I think Bordeaux, they've probably got, they've probably gotten better since I've been here, but when I first got here, they, I feel like they think they're being more helpful than they are. Um, the guy, the guy who, who runs around and picks you up and, and does things for you can't speak any English at all. Um, so he won't hear this. Yeah. So he's, uh, <laughs> he like, He's about 70 years old and he's been at the club forever. And yeah. his, name's, his name's Alfonso, but everyone calls him Fonfon. And so he's running around and he speaks a bit of Spanish. But, and like I've been to Argentina a couple of times, so I can say like, me gusta and por favor and, hola. Um, and gracias and hola. And, and so like I didn't, when I first arrived, I didn't speak any French and he, he can speak Spanish and I'm like, trying to say that I know a little bit of Spanish and like, and you just get nowhere. Like he's driving me around Bordeaux trying to take me to appointments and I just can't speak to him at all. Um, and then, yeah, so I think the club, the club thinks they're helping you, but they don't really. And then like, I, maybe I should have tried to organize things before I come, I came over, but that's hard too when you're not here and like you, you just see photos of houses where, where I'm going to move. And like we, we stayed in a place for two weeks. It was, it had this tiny little staircase and it was three stories up and we had to park our car like a K away in an underground car park. And I'm like, I've got two kids and my missus and it's like, and she's, she had a few days where she's pretty crook. And then it's like, I'm in this country that no one speaks English and doesn't really want to speak English to you. Um, and yeah, so it's a it is a bit of a battle at the start, but um, it, like it does get it does get easier and better. In um, in terms of the rugby side of things, do do they help the English speaking guys, or do they expect you to try and learn French? Like, how how does um, all that work? Yeah. So I, I'm pretty sure at every club they do have lessons. Um, so at our club, we've at the start it was. It'd be like on a Monday lunchtime or something, there'd be a lady that comes in. But then like boys have got injuries and want to see the physio. Boys don't want to go. So it it's kind of like gets a, put on the back burner. Yeah. And then now it's sort of become a bit more compulsory where there's someone like checking that you're there and you've got to have a reason to not go. But it's still the same. Like if the boys are on their last season of their contract and they're going to move back to Australia or New Zealand or wherever, they don't really care about learning French. Yeah, um, and then depending on on if your coach speaks English or anything like that, like it's you you, you might not need to, or the like or the boys in your team speak English, you don't need to. But um, so does does just purely for my curiosity, is your yeah. coach English speaking or French speaking? No, so everything since yes, since his new coach, he's this is his second season here. He speaks no English. Like, okay. So do they translate or everything's in French and you either have to ask the boys what he said or you, from your understanding of French, pick up what he said? 
Yeah. So yeah, if you don't, if you, yeah, like I, I, I can understand now because my third year here and I can mostly understand what he's saying, Yeah. but, um, but I find it hard to talk back to him in French, but I'm, I'm getting there. But, um, but yeah, like there's some words that are very similar to English words and yeah, you just got to sit next to someone who can translate for you or, or wait for after, but like there's a, there is, there is a lot of things that once you know rugby, like you can sort of just make sense of it. you like, you make sense of the video clip um, and then things like that. So you can get by, but um, yeah, he, he's just said, I'm not doing any English. Cause my, my first year here, we actually, we actually had a, um, an English, or well, there was an English head coach, defense coach and forward coach. And they would speak English and French. So everything, every meeting was English and French. So it was twice as long, basically. Yeah, but it was, but like I didn't have to know what they said in French because I could just wait for the English or whatever. Um, how's COVID over there? Oh, it sucks. I'm over it. Um, so what's, yeah, so just because for here, uh, everyone freaks out when you have like nine people test positive. So yeah. that's, a, that's a bad day and we shut down and, all that sort of stuff. What's what's a general day like over there? Oh, I, I I can't even keep up with it. Like I, top of my head, like I feel like a few weeks back there was like fifty thousand new cases in one day. Yeah, right. Like it's just off the Richter. Like it's um, there's that many cases that just normal. Like, and then if the if the cases rise in just in our area around Bordeaux, then we then there might be something new that we have to do a new um, um, new rule or, or something. But yeah, how's so it how's it impacted your life in terms of rugby? Do you just go training, go home? Yeah, so really, like in terms of rugby and um, my home life, it hasn't really changed much because we because well, especially in winter as well, like when it's cold and wet you just want to be at home and um but yeah rugby is like we just go to training and everything's the same except we have to do a COVID test every week so every Tuesday or Wednesday we go and get a nose test and then um the PCR and then we get the results the next morning and then um like and that's even been like sometimes we're like are we allowed to train today? Like waiting for that, that text or the email to say that everyone's negative, that we can train. Um, but normally it comes on our day off. So it's, that's fine. And then, yeah. And then you just, you train. And if anyone's positive, they sort of just take them out of the group um, for a couple of weeks. Or if it's more than like, I think if it's more than two or three players in one week, then, um, then you might have to cancel the game or postpone the game. Has that happened uh, for you guys? Yeah. Yeah, so we've had we had two games that were postponed, and we've already we've caught them both back up now. So we're um, we're back to where we should be. But um, but it's like it's been so like I think the coach told us the other week that well, I think it was two weeks ago that it was our twenty twenty first week training in a row. Like so now it's been twenty three weeks without um, without we, a without a holiday. Yeah, like we had a, we had three or four days off for Christmas, but we still actually trained two days that week, and then so we've yeah we we haven't had a week off since July or something like. Can so you can just, you go anywhere anyway? Um, or you just take a well, week I, off I, and just I, lie on the couch and watch movies? Yeah. yeah, well, there's been a few of the boys, and it's like probably easier if you 
you're single or um or you're young that like boys just have got corona and can't come to training for two weeks and it's like like i sort of go oh that could be good um <laughs> but like not when you've got a missus and, and two kids and, and um and my yeah. mother-in-law at the moment as well so it's um yeah it hasn't i, I don't want to get corona i want to avoid that but um but yeah it's it's just been just been bizarre um, um our, our good friend yeah. jed holloway's currently got covid yeah, I actually heard that. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's probably been the most common reaction when I've told people. But um, <laughs> he uh, well, he, he said he's very hygienic. So. <laughs> <laughs> he probably he probably is now. Now he's married, but um, he uh, he sounded terrible. He sent me a, he sent me a video of his voice. He just sounded terrible. Mm. So I don't think it's something you want. But I think if you're healthy, you're going to be fine. Um, yeah. What? What was I going to ask you? Are you do you watch movies? Um, yeah, I, I do probably too much. I'm, I'm studying at the moment, so I shouldn't be, but I, I, I still do. But what do you, what I do don't you study? Uh, I've just started um, started education, so I've, I've, so to be a teacher. Want, yeah, like I, I wanted to be a teacher when I was at school, and then it's taken me a while to um, to decide I, I probably should study. Where are you uh, start? Where are you studying that out of? Just uh, Swinburne online. Um, okay. So it's in Melbourne. Are you um, good? Are you good with the self-study, or do you are you the kind of guy that needs to go to a classroom? Uh, yeah, I'm probably still trying to work that out. I um, but like I, I can't go to a classroom right now, so it's it's all I can do. But I'm I feel like I'm getting better at it. I just need to be better at my time management. I'm uh, yeah, instead of playing a game on my phone or watching a movie or or just procrastinate, procrastinating or drinking too many coffees. I need to just get, just get stuck in and get it done instead of leaving it to the last minute, which I did on my first two assignments. Um, what? How many more years are you going to play? Oh, how you, how are you feeling? You're probably feeling pretty tired at the moment, but you got a few good years left, you reckon? Yeah, well, I hope so. I, um, I actually, well, it was only on Monday my... My, I was sitting at a training doing a bit of study and the coach walked past me and like had a look at what I was doing. And then at, before training, he, he like, he, cause he only speaks French. He sort of said, Oh, like mate, what are you doing on your computer? And I was like, Oh, I'm just doing a bit of study. And he's like, Oh, what are you studying? I'm like, Oh, like I want to be a teacher. Um, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, Oh, that's good. And then I was like, yeah, I'm just trying to, trying to work out what I want to do after rugby. And then he's, and then in French, he said, he said, um, oh, like after rugby, that's that's quite soon. But because it was in French, I was like, I was like in I was like thinking about what he said. And then I like looked at him like he's going, he's having a go at me here, like he's thinking <laughs> and I'm like, need to finish rugby soon or something. And I'm like, I'm like like smiled at him and then he laughed. So I was like, <laughs> oh like he's but then for the next ten minutes I'm like going, shit, like does he think I'm like old and I need to give it up or what? Like I don't um and it was sort of like it was eating away at me for like ten, the first ten minutes of training, and then I've like I've sort of come come to my senses and gone no, like it's, it was just having a joke. But um, no, like I'd like to play. Like I've got one more year here after this one, but um, yeah, I'd like I'd, I'd like to get another two or three year deal somewhere, and then depending on if I have got something set up, I'd um, like I'd, I don't want to. I, don't, I feel like I don't want to be too old when I do retire. Um, and I don't want to get to that point where I'm not playing 
that good either. Like, uh, so it's hard. It's um, just hypothetical for you. Dave Rennie signs the Doug signal onto the Opera House. Yeah, we need we need you. Is is that door closed or are you open to no, maybe coming back one day? I yeah, I wouldn't say it's closed. I um, I, I would love to, but. I just don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if there's there. There are young guys that are, are playing pretty good footy, like Matt Phillip and that. Like, um, I, I think he might be coming back to Australia after after this season in Poe. Maybe um, there's some like there's some good young young locks playing good footy. Um, so I I just don't know whether like I'd still back myself that I'm good enough, but I like I like different coaches have different mindsets around it and just go, oh, that guy's a bit older or whatever. Like I, I, I don't even want to go down that path or what, but, um, and then if you think about that, they, they start thinking about the next world cup, not just like these next couple of years. So they're like, if they're thinking about three years time or have two years time now, like, um, yeah, I don't know. No. Um, I got to ask you about Luigi. Have you seen him at all? John, John, yeah, Luigi? Yeah, I have. I saw him before the season started. So he he was up in Bordeaux with his family, and they came around for a barbie. Um, but yeah, like he's he's like I think I talked to him like last year, and he was like, "Oh, I might finish up," or like he's. But they just he get he's got another deal, and then I think he signed. I think he might have signed to Bayonne um, before they came up to. Oh no. I know this is his first year there. So this is his he, first um, year, yeah. Yeah, so they were already um, top 14 because the, the year before they were Pro D2. But they, um, yeah, so he's like, yeah, I'm going to go again. And, and at least like living in Bayonne's pretty cool. Like you're on the, down near the, the border of Spain and it's, um, you're on the beach. So it's. I've seen it's, a few of the boys' um, Instagram stories and it looks like yeah. a pretty tough spot to live. Can the kids uh, speak French? Yeah, like. They they get by like Cleo Cleo can more than Harper, but they both understand it pretty well. I think they're like little kids are just sponges, so they've only been they've been at this the little French school up the road since since September, and they've yeah like Cleo's confidence around her little friends and like it's, it's pretty cool to see. And they're like like she corrects me with my French and stuff, which is pretty cool. Mate, that's that's um. Growing up overseas as a kid, so I lived in Hong Kong till I was eight and has a big influence on you. So I yeah. think it's probably better than it happening then than it is when you're older, if that makes yeah. if that makes yeah, sense. Because yeah. it kind of shapes like I went from um I went from this school where there was like sixty different nationalities. Like yeah. all my, my best friend was from like Mauritius, this island. And uh, I went to Coffs Harbour where there was like all middle class, lower class, white Anglo-Saxon Australian people, yeah. and that they thought I was the fucking weirdest person, which which, <laughs> I, which I probably was. But uh, like, I'm glad I had that, and I think that could yeah. be good for the kids. Yeah. Um, can you do much on your days off, or are you just fucking chilling out usually? Um. Yeah. Well, I feel like. Like life, life admin in France isn't that good. Like when you, you know, in Australia, you can just do whatever you want, whenever you want. Like they're like, there's so many different businesses that are just shut from 12 p.m. till 2:30 p.m. Like so, in your lunch break, you can't go and. So they have siesta. Your... They have a siesta in France as well. 
Uh, I don't know if it's siesta or it's just lunch break. They just like, yeah, right. and they, they, they say that like the French people like um, work, they work to live, whereas like they think Australians and everyone else um, live to work. Which is probably, like, probably fair. But I think, but I think they don't enjoy their work as much as we like we can. Like I, I feel like you can still be more positive and have fun at work and you know what I mean? Like I I don't know. I I sort of I'm probably still stuck in that Australian way of, of thinking or Well, I found it so I let I spent a brief period in Italy before I got man, I got I got sacked in a so I'll tell you the story. We we cut this out, but I I got a contract to play Excellenza in Italy, and I was a bit. My body was fucked at the time. I'm like, I've always wanted to go to Italy, so I went, and I played terribly for like the first four games. Had a concussion one week, and then the other tight end prop started. They won the only game that they won for the the whole season, and that guy ended up playing for Italy. <laughs> so. The, the town went crazy because it was like all emotional Italians and and like like what you were saying in, in Ireland, like the whole mood of this place changed based on how the, the rugby team went yeah. and they were all happy. And then we, we went to a team meeting on the Monday and the whole thing was in Italian. I'm sitting there pretending like I care, which I don't. They're all like yelling loudly. You know, a couple of people having beers. This is like meant to be a semi-professional, professional team. And the general manager comes up to me at the end and goes, uh, Duncan, uh, you stay, you stay. And he, he hands me a Google translated bit of paper. So you know how Google Translate changes some of the words around? <laughs> I wish I still had it. But you know, do good. We home send you. <laughs> so that's it. <laughs> <laughs> And, and it was amazing. Like they had a brief, they had a limited English before, but their their English became non-existent when you're trying to get your money out of them. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, just like everything over here is like, like as much as they say that the, like obviously the contracts are good in in France, but then and you're like, and the tax rate's not as high, but like there's so many little things that's like. You've still got to pay all these other taxes, but they don't come out of your your pay. Like you've yeah. just got to pay them. Like um, so, it's it's changed here that now you do get your tax taken out before you get paid, like like Australia. But yeah. it used to be the other way around. So boys would get done; they would spend all their money and then not have enough money to pay their tax at the end of the year. Um, do, you, do you have whereas, to pay tax in France and Australia, or just in France? No, so I'm only paying tax in France. Um, which yeah, like I, I feel like my, I've had an accountant in Australia who before I moved here was telling me that I, I need to pay it in both places. But um, I think it's once you're overseas for a certain period of time, it's yeah. something, like, something like that. Well, and if uh, you say you're technically don't plan on coming home, and then all of a sudden you do plan on coming home, like then it's different. Do they um, still do that thing over there where if you spend a certain amount of time in the Pro Day 2 or the Top 14, they pay you after your career as well? Yes, yeah, so that's called Shamage, um, which I think they've actually changed it. So it's, um, I think it was like three quarters or half of your salary up to a certain number of like a certain amount you could get paid for, yeah, a, a year or two or three after you retired yeah. but um now it's 
I think it's like that for the first six months. And then there's ways of trying to keep it like at a certain level, but you have to be like studying while you're still living in France or you've got a part-time job or something. There's like, there's like, um, but yeah, I think at the moment it's like boys, if you, if you did retire, you maybe you'd stay for six months to, to get that amount, but then it would drop. So there'd be like, you'd be like, well, why am I staying? Yeah. Um, What's um, I was going to ask you, but I like, you know, it's weird asking people this, but I'll ask you anyway. Um, I don't want to know how much, but like how much better is the pay? I don't want to know what you get paid, but like how much yeah. better is, how much better is it? Well, it's definitely better, isn't it? Yeah. Like it, it definitely would be like, it's, um, yeah, like I, I don't, I don't know how to say it without like multiples, multiples, like 150%. Yeah, I'd say so. I'd say if you like, if you could get a hundred thousand dollar contract in Australia, you could probably get a a hundred and fifty thousand euro contract, which you look at and go, that's um, that's a yeah one like one and a half times the dollar. So um, so yeah, if one one fifty would be would be what two. Is it two twenty five? Something like that, yeah. So, but that's that's so you'd, that's you'd that's quite get, a bit you'd better. Double. You could, yeah, you could probably get double, I'd think, and then, and then the tax rate's low, but like, um, but then like life admin, yeah, living overseas, getting like flying home when you miss home, flying like. There's, so there's, there's, there's other, additional expenses that you don't take like, into account. Chop away, yeah, and it's like, and it like. Even living here, you you um, there's a lot of places that um, that when you rent them out, like you you think you think oh I want to rent furnished, but then you you go into a furnished place and the furniture's shit, and you're like yeah. you buy your own stuff anyway. And then if you go unfurnished, they like they don't even have an oven or a dishwasher or anything. Like and you're like I got to go buy an oven for my house. Like yeah. and then when you move house, you take your oven with you to the next house. Like it's so that's um, stuff up, you like, just don't get up, anywhere else. Yeah, and then um, and like the rental setup, um, I feel like it doesn't suit the renter. It suits like the the person who owns the house, and they they sting you for everything. Like they they'll go through when you move out, and like and like you know just general wear and tear that you can't get done for. Yeah, in like Australia. you scuffed like, a cupboard or something. Yeah, or yeah, like they, they would just get you for it. They'll be like. Well, because in in Bordeaux especially, there's um there's the calcium or the calc in the water, yeah. um so like you need to get the pipes cleaned like I don't know once a year or every couple of years or whatever. So you move out and then they'll charge you like they tried to charge me two hundred euros for there being calcium in the or like like the build up of it in the sinks and stuff. And I'm like, well, was I supposed to not use the taps? Like, was I supposed to not have a shower? Yeah. Like, so, but um, I guess it's pretty, and then you got to try and explain it to them, and there yeah, it just completely did, disappears. Yeah. And yeah, and I think a lot of boys just pay it. But I, um, the the house I'm in now, the the owner of the house lives across the road, and he's a good guy. And he's yeah. like, I I sent him the the list of all the things I needed to pay, and he's like, no, that's bullshit. Um, and so we sent them a letter, 
and I got all I got all my money back. But they were trying to get I think they were trying to get like a thousand bucks off me or fifteen hundred or something. Yeah, so it adds up. Yeah, but I think a lot of boys just pay it. But um, yeah, I guess it's probably it's one of those things where it's probably just easier just to shut them up and pay it. And, um, yeah, they're like this, this nice. foreigner who doesn't who doesn't speak much English, uh, French and who's who's getting paid good. Like they they're just gonna yeah, pay. Yeah, so. they just fucking milk you dry. Um, yeah. Do you reckon COVID's going to fuck things up with rugby? Uh, what's, what's your take on it? I feel like I feel like France isn't going to change much because it's like there's just there's so much COVID here already, and it's been going up and down and up and down that unlike unless there was some like I know they're talking new strains and stuff, but unless there was something else that really derailed the whole the whole thing, then it. I feel like it. I feel like it will just sort of stay as it is. Like, there's no fans at games, which sucks, and um, and especially for us, we we were getting like thirty thousand. I think we averaged the best in Europe, like Bordeaux. So like, What's I think up? they were. I was like, going to ask you that. Is it weird not having a crowd? Yeah, I like when you're actually in the game and you're going to a line out and you're going to a scrum and when you're just playing footy, you don't you don't really notice it. You just play footy, but like, yeah, yeah when you run out. At the start of the game, and there's just no one. The, ground, <laughs> then, the groundsman sitting there. Then, so. Yeah, um, yeah, it is. It is pretty weird, but um, but yeah, for for us, I think the the club relies on on fans quite a lot for the like the money and the and stuff. So um, we had like we had to take a pay cut, obviously, and then yeah, you know, and I feel like I've been talking to a lot of boys in France, and they're like. They're, they're wanting to move back home or they're thinking about retiring or they're thinking about trying to get to the force or the rebels or like, or, or someone to be back in Australia. Cause we, we just look at you guys on, on Instagram and it's everything seems sort of normal. And we're look, the, um, the only thing that's that changed, bro, is don't, probably the only thing that's changed in my life is I haven't been to Vana room for <laughs> eight months. <laughs> is it my club still closed, or is it? Or you just have yeah. Been? Well, like just before Christmas, everything was about to open up. Literally, nightclubs were about to open up, and then someone on the northern beaches went on like a mad pub crawl. Went to like twenty five pubs in like two days, and um, like I think eighty people ended up getting COVID, and boom, everything shut down again. And I, I've honestly stopped paying attention to it, like. Does anyone in Sydney have to wear a mask or anything? Or yeah, so so all of a sudden, so even before with the lockdowns, you didn't have yeah. to wear a mask when you went to the shops. None of that. All of us just recently, even though there's been fuck all community transmissions, everyone has to wear a mask when you go to like indoors. So if you go to a cafe, you're good. But if you go to like a shopping center or or like um, I went to Bottle the other day, you had to wear a mask. It doesn't make it doesn't make any sense, but yeah. but I'd assume your mask doing everything over there. Oh, everything! It's it's um. I feel like I'm getting like pimples behind my ears from the little straps that go around. Like it's like it's. You don't have to wear them training or anything, to, do you? No, at the when we first came back to start preseason after the first lockdown, like we we were wearing them in the gym, but then since we we get tested every week and stuff. There's still like there's still some staff, some staff that that wear them, but um, yes, yeah, no one does. Um, yeah, none of the players do at like when we're actually training or anything, um, or around each other. 
Man, I reckon we've had the best chat since I've just stopped pretending like other people were listening. Yeah. <laughs> and I did that with Taff and Rochi as well. Although with, with Rochi, I can't actually share any of the stuff that he says. Why is that? <laughs> just because it's Rochi. Do you, do you follow a few? Like I follow um, Bloke in a Bar, you know, Denon Kent. Yeah, well, that's part of the reason yeah. I, I thought of this because I'm like, no one does this in rugby in terms yeah. of like... No, like, no, and I think they should. Like there, there is, well, like like a... Thinking about it this year, there's a Harry Harry Bennett used to play at Easts and Waratahs and stuff. He, well, he's from the country too. I'm pretty sure. Um, played like New South Wales country a, a couple of years younger than me, maybe. He lives in New York and he's got a, a rugby podcast. And then there's, um, I know Caleb Timu was doing one. He's at Montpellier now. But like, yeah. but yeah, like I I find that rugby league in Australia, there's there's all these guys that are just pumping pumping rugby league up. And they're always so positive. And then, like, you think about just the journalists in rugby and the, especially with like Fox Sports, they just Dude, like totally agree the, with you. They just take the piss out of every player, and he's doing this wrong and this wrong, and he's not up to the level. And it's like, mate, just like, like it, it's probably the Australian culture as well. And but like, we we just need to be more positive. How are we going to grow if you if you're just taking shots at people like? Um, Mate, I, I look, I wrote a blog um, maybe four or five months ago saying how I think they can improve rugby in this country. And one of the things I, th- I thought was that the way they tell the stories of the players is really average. Like, and, and my reasoning for that is, is if, I, if I know about Kane Douglas or Jed Holloway's life, I'm going to be more interested in, what, in watching them play than if I know nothing about them. Yeah. And if you think about it, how many positive stories are there about rugby players? Not many. Like, I mean, like there, I there's, there's occasionally, but like some of the boys have pretty good stories. Like, I guarantee yeah. if you think about some of the guys you play with, there's some good stories that probably could be told there. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and that was part of another part of this is like, I, I know a lot of rugby players well enough to, to, to have these chats with them and let's try and show some people a bit of the, the character behind it, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I agree. And yeah. then like, it's hard. You think about like some boys are like really big on Instagram and really like trying to put themselves out there, but like um, it doesn't have to be like that. It can just be more of a, like in a, in a sit down talking like this kind of situation. Um which I like, I don't really like photos of myself. And like, I, I don't even know if I like my own voice. I don't know if I'm going to come across. <laughs> Mate, I don't um, like my voice. I, I don't like my voice at all. <laughs> Listen, so for the pilot episode, you got to submit an episode to, um, to Apple Podcasts to get approved. Yeah. I thought, fuck it, I'll talk. I'll just talk into a microphone for like six minutes and explain what I'm going to do. I reckon I did 35 takes. <laughs> <laughs> it was just even what I ended up with was just garbage at the end. I'm like, you know what? That'll do. That'll do. You know. No, but then even um, who was it? Um, Beric Barnes is actually doing one um, with a couple other guys in Lennox Head, and he does it out of his shed. Um, yeah. Called Ball and All, um, but they sort of they do a lot of different sports. They've got like they do surfing and rugby. Yeah, that's and- that's what I want to do as well. I want to get into other sports. Yeah, you know, I'm just using this as an excuse to talk to people, really. No, but it's good. It's really good. It's you know I, what I, I reckon. 
I've only yep. discovered podcasts in the last like few months, and it's like I'm, yeah, like subscribed on Spotify and whatever else. Mate, there's some good ones. Um, you know what I reckon you should do? Have you ever have you ever seen the life of Brian um, Brian Majardi vlogs? I actually, I think I've watched ones you've reposted or something on Instagram or, or Facebook. Mate, I, I reckon it's guys in France showing like a bit about life in France. You get a good following on YouTube. I reckon yeah. so many people are interested in it. It's just you feel like a fucking weirdo putting yourself on camera and talking and shit. But I don't think people think about it that much. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, yeah, especially when like I, I know you're sitting in your house. Like it's like it's it's not you're not sitting in like a studio somewhere. Like it's like you're just a real person. Like you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. Well, it's um, you know like. Mate, the best the best conversations I have on these is when I switch off and just pretend like it's just you and me talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's what someone said. Like someone listened to Roachie's one and oh, to Taft's one. They're like, the best bit was at the end. I'm like, I totally forgot I was supposed to be asking him questions. Yeah. So I think it's just been normal and like yeah. I was pretty self conscious about doing this, but then I thought, you know what, fuck it. Yeah. Fuck it. See how it goes. And if they don't like it, they won't watch or whatever, you know what I mean? Well, like, that's right. Like, like the worst case scenario is I get to fucking pick your brain for a couple of hours and, yeah, you know. Man, I, I had all sorts of messages today from people like, because I talked to Taff about retirement. Yeah. And, um, you know, I had all these random messages from people who'd retired from sport and they're like, oh, I'm glad you did that. And yeah. like, even that alone makes it worthwhile. Yeah, like I, I start, I start thinking about my own, and I'm like, yeah, like I don't want to be too old, I don't want to be playing shit. Um, but yeah, like it would, I, I, I feel like I would. I don't think I would lose who I, who I am. Like I think I'm, I'd be still, like I, I could see myself working in a coffee shop, really. Like I could, and just saying hello to people. I know every man and his dog's got a coffee shop in, in Australia now, so it might be hard. But like, it's hard here. Uh, yeah, but I like. I think I I wouldn't lose who I am over retiring, but like, but yeah, you'd miss you'd miss like staying in good shape or like having to or just easily staying in shape with a professional environment, and you'd you'd like you'd definitely miss like the just talking shit to boys all day every day. But you could hopefully you could still do it in a different way. Like I'm, I'm like. I'm sure you do a fair bit of garbage talking with whoever you want, whenever you want. Oh, like, yeah, hundred percent. Like so, for me, it's not the social thing. Cause all my mates are still around. Like, yeah, you know, any guys like that. So it wasn't the social thing, but it's like, I've been struggling with reasons to exercise at the moment. Yeah. Cause before even just playing shoot shield, you're like, oh, I got to be fit for training. I've got to do this. So, you know, it's yeah. still a reason. Yeah. Um, but I've like, have you I'm interested. Hobbies? You don't want to play touch footy or no, golf? Mate, mate, the only running I do again will be from the police, I reckon. <laughs> right, like I ran with Mets the other day, Tim Metcher, and I think he, I think he messed as the only person he knew that was slower than him, and yeah. you know, I just, but no, I start. I've been doing a bit of Mai Tai and Jiu Jitsu, yeah. uh, which is pretty fun. I've been a bit slack lately because I'm like, it's fucking hard. And, it's like fuck. Yeah. I got no. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just you haven't been. That... Goal, you, you need. You think you need a goal, sort of, of like. Oh, kind of, kind of. And I, I'm. I got to snap out of it because, you know, you feel good when you go. Yeah. 
but it's like I don't I don't really want to fight anyone, <laughs> you know. <laughs> that I, I walked into the Mai Tai place the other day and there's guys in there like your size and like you know, we're both pretty strong dudes. Like I, I'm not an athlete, but I'm stronger than most people. And I saw these guys actually spar barring. I'm like, no, no fucking way. <laughs> no, no fucking way. Anyone built like you who knows what they're doing is a scary person, bro. What's your thoughts on that? The like the the different approaches to like contact training. Yeah, I don't know. Like you obviously have to do you have to do it at some stage. But like when I was at when I was at Leinster, it was the whole thing was on like discipline and stuff and boys already knew how to do everything. And cause in Europe you play so much, like you, you sort of don't need to do like, you don't need to do all that contact cause you're just playing again this weekend and this like the next weekend and you're playing 30 something games in a year. Yeah. But, um, but in super rugby, it's like, you need to, they need to utilize every session they've got to just bring something else. Cause you've only got 16 games. Like, um, yeah, that makes sense. It's yeah, like I, I feel like not that I not that I like complaining or anything, but I feel like either way, there'd always be something that could you could be like I always like you know, and you you finish a session, you're like, oh, I wish we didn't do that, or we could have done that better. Like yeah. there's always that, but like it's nothing's ever going to be perfect. But like sometimes here we we just the the coaches put you under so much stress on a Monday, and it's like shouldn't Monday just be my learning day? Like, and then, and then they're like on a Tuesday, you'll go for like, I feel like going, going for like half an hour without a drink. Like, you're like, just give us a drink. Like, and, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, but yeah, when I was, when I was at that Reds 2018, we were like, we were flogging each other Tuesday. Like, what about um, doing full noise captain sessions, captain's runs? Obviously, <laughs> maybe, it worked. Maybe, yeah, or maybe it wasn't full full noise on a, on the Friday, but but like definitely has been on a th- on the Thursday. Yeah. Been, but um, yeah, I don't know. If you if you mix it up and ver- like variety is pretty good too. Like I like changing when you train and changing what the session involves and and then mixing it up and not training one day. Like it's like I I like that variety. What they say variety is the spice of life. But yeah, like just changing things up and um. Would you have a coach? I don't know. I I feel like I, I wouldn't really want to be like a head coach, but if you got a good, I don't know. If you got a good gig being a being just the forwards coach or something, um, it could be good. But but then I also think about not having anything to do with rugby after rugby. Yeah. Um, but like. I guess I it's know. probably going to be nice to have your weekends back. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And especially like, especially with kids, you like, I, I, I love my childhood with my my dad and mum coming to all my games and like in all my sports and stuff. So it's like, you do, you do like, I do see the benefits of having like sort of a normalish job where you can like, like if you work for yourself and you don't have to work on weekends or in afternoons and stuff, you can, you can do that as well. But if you had like a normal job, that's like your, your nine to five as well, that could be good to like, to, um, yeah, to not work weekends, to be able to go and coach your kid at, at footy or whatever. 
Um, what I will tell you about working for yourself is you, you work way harder for yourself than you would for anyone else. Like, you know, um, I, I had a, like five highlights reels to do in a really short space of time. So you stay up till like two in the yeah. morning. You know, you work on weekends, you work on public holidays just because you have to. Yeah. And um, th- that's the price you pay for being able to do what you want the rest of the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's not for everyone, but like one of the boys at South has just sold his business and is now a full-time employee for the first time in 20 years. And he's, he reckons he's only getting marginally less money than what he was taking home, but he clocks off at four in the afternoon and he doesn't think about work till he goes in the next day and he's not working weekends. He gets public holiday pay, sick pay, all that sort of stuff. So it just depends what you want. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there are pros and cons to everything. Um, like for me, I hate the idea of going, hey, can I go do this today? Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's that's something I really struggle with. Yeah. But to pay the price for that, you if, if you if you did have a like if you had a kid and he's got a rep game, like can I take my kid to, you know, like drive down to Coffs Harbour from Yamba to go go to his like his his game or whatever, you know what I mean? Like it might that might be hard if you had a, a normal job like um yeah, well, exa- exactly, exactly, yeah. you know. So it's just, it'll it'll uh, just be depending where you want to end up. Don't rush back to the real world, though. Fuck. No, I know. No, I know. and I need to, I need to use it up as much as I can as well. But, like, I also know that I'm, I'm over 30 now, so I need to yeah. start at least thinking about it. But um, Teaching would be a good gig, I reckon, because you would get a job straight away at any big rugby school and you'd probably get a rugby coaching job and yeah. the amount of super rugby coaches that I know who end up getting school jobs yeah, yeah, and who get paid way more money than they ever did as super rugby coaches, you know, and then you get 12 weeks holiday a year as well. So like I, know, I know that you'd, like, you'd have to stay up and mark things and plan your next class or whatever, but like... Mate, I live with a teacher. It's not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely going oh, in. Your missus is a teacher. Yeah, she's a casual teacher, but you know, I think dealing with kids can be stressful. But <laughs> I don't think it's that stressful. <laughs> Are you doing high school or primary? Well, just for the minute I'm doing primary, but I'd like to. I'd like to. Like I, I love maths, so I'd, lo- I'd love to be like a high school maths teacher. Be- you love maths. Yeah, for some reason I'm like, I, I can just, just remember. Yeah, not that I'm like Rain Man or anything, but like I, I feel like I can remember numbers, and I'm like, I just I love doing Sudoku's. I love like, I love I love numbers and patterns and codes and shit. And, um, I don't know. It's cool. it's interesting the things that people get um, like drawn into. What I've one thing I got to ask you before I leave you alone, and thanks heaps for this. Um, wine. What's a wine like in Bordeaux? Well, are you, are you a wine guy? Um, I feel like I'm not a wine guy, but I like. I, I actually, I, I didn't really drink wine until I got here. So I've like I've come around. I, I especially on a hot day, like a rosé is pretty pretty sick. And um, and then like, like I don't I don't know. Sometimes I feel like with wine, it's more of a like this one's not too bad. 
um, for me. But I know like other people love it and like and and they love the one from the, like the the wine from Bordeaux. But yeah, like it's all. I'm still trying to work out like in even in different parts of like so Bordeaux's on a river. If you look at like the on the left hand side of the of the river, there's like the north and the south, and they they've got different flavors depending on what's sort of around the area. Yeah. So uh, I'm still trying to work out like what I like, but I feel like for me when I when I crack a bottle, I'm like, oh, this one's not as bad as that other one. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, not this is good. This but, uh, isn't as bad. Yeah, but um, but yeah, like I, I feel like I probably will get to a point where I do like it. Like it's it's growing on me. Like I I'll I'll have a glass. Um, like I'll, I'll have a bottle of my missus probably once a week at home. Um, and then, but like some boys are probably cracking one every night. Um, but like, it's not sharing, it's, a, sharing a bottle is not that like, you're not going to get no, drunk. Or anything. No, it's different. It's and, kind of different over there too. Like, even and it's it, cheap ads too. Like it's, that's right. you, you can get a, a good tasting bottle for like three or four bucks. Like it's nothing. Yeah. Um, so like there are, there are pros like can, and, and and cheese and stuff's cheap and and baguettes like you can have a probably you could put on a fair bit of weight over here just eating cheese and baguettes and um drinking and the, red but the italian club i was aligned with had um the sorry the italian club i went to had a pizza restaurant that was like a sponsor of them and the guy just liked me for some reason i think he was probably the only person in the whole town that did like me so i'd go there like once or twice a week and just get they called it a maxi pizza so it's like you know what a, a large pizza is like? It's probably three times the size of that, but real thin. Yeah. And he goes, as, as long as you don't have pineapple on your pizza, you can have whatever you like because they just were, they found that really fancy for some reason. And man, I, I swear I ate so much and I didn't really blow out. <laughs> so yeah. I, I don't know what it is. No, well, they'd like, I know the, the French are real big on, um, on like the, well, they call it bio over here, but it's all like the organic sort of stuff. And, um and no preservatives and things and like everything being fresh so it's probably do you like, like do you like french food um i don't mind it but i do like when you're just getting it all the time like you do miss you do miss like yeah easy things in australia you know like going down and getting a guzman and gomez or something that's like it's one of my biggest fast foods that i miss so but, someone um, told me that um they're like oh you got mexican maccas <laughs> <laughs> I never heard that before. But um, yeah, it's like um, yeah, like they they love their meat rare. Um, the just do it a little bit different. Like like at the moment, I'm not really having French food because we have a, we have a Portuguese chef at training. Um, so that's like it's pretty good. We get out, we get breakfast and lunch every day um, from the club. Um, and then because the restaurants are closed, um, you, all you can do is get takeaway now. So um, I haven't, not that I've been, I haven't been to, I haven't been to a French bistro or anything like that. But, um, but yeah, like I, I do like, I do, I do like the the French bistros and restaurants and stuff. Like they do some good stuff. And there's heaps of like heaps of those like Michelin star restaurants and stuff in Bordeaux. Like they, it's like back like five ten years ago they were just handing out. Michelin stars to every restaurant in Bordeaux. There just seems to be so many of them, but yeah, you got to, um, you got to make the most of that while you're there. Once once you can, yeah. I reckon. Um, yeah, I think a few boys have got like a little list of like ones you need to tick off, all the restaurants you need to tick off before you 
before you leave France. Fuck um, yeah. You make make the most of that, mate. Northies is probably still gonna be here when you get back. Um yeah. last question for you, bro, and then I'll leave you alone. Uh, yeah. and I've been asking everyone this. What advice would you give eighteen year old Kane Douglas? Oh tough question. Um probably probably enjoy your time with the boys more than you're like trying to chase girls. Like <laughs> I, I I look back and go, that's my like seriously, like I I don't know, just going to Norway's infusion and like all that kind of shit. And like, yeah, you look back and go like spend time with the boys and like have have fun because it's not going to like I can sort of see the light at the end of the rugby tunnel and I'm like I don't know like I, everything like every year goes quick like the super rugby final and that it all went quick and you're like you um you need to just enjoy like all those little moments hanging with hanging with your mates and um having that beer and um yeah so um just enjoy I don't know if that's my only advice. <laughs> just, just enjoy. Just enjoy. Yeah. Mate, that's, just enjoy yeah. Enjoy that's, the humans. Yeah. That's a fantastic way to end, my friend. Thanks for this. <laughs> no, that's all right. No worries. I think we did all right.